I'm Tim Shrimp, and welcome to the All You Can Eat Shrimp Podcast. If you have social media of any kind, you've probably heard the term cancel culture at one point. Basically, people come together and rally behind a mob to take down someone that they have deemed problematic for whatever reason. This could be basically anyone from a huge public figure like Mel Gibson to some kids who literally just stood in front of a Native American man and they while he banged a drum inches from their face. There's a lot of debate on cancel culture. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Some people feel it's gone too far. Some people feel like it's a great tool that is being used to take away power from shitty people. And there's talk about whether or not we should continue cancel culture going on forward in society, mostly because it's being used as a way to more or less divide us. The main problem with cancel culture is that it tends to go after the average Joe very effectively. A good example of this was last year when uh, a woman was walking her dog through Central Park. She began to harass an African-American man. And falsely claiming that he was threatening her and her dog. Video evidence from the man proved this to be a false claim. Now, we can agree that this woman's behavior was unjustified, but a lot of people did begin to track this woman down. They got her fired. They got her dog taken away from her. They basically did whatever they could to destroy this woman's life. Now, two things can be true at once. A woman could do something very terrible, but at the same time, she shouldn't have to have her entire life destroyed to appease the mob. Because mob justice oftentimes leads to some very bad things. A good example of cancel culture going too far is the 2019 March for Life. In it, a young man named Nick Sandman did the March for Life with his Catholic school, Covington High School. In it, uh, another group called the Black Hebrew Israelites came in and started screaming racial slurs at a third group marching for a Native American rally. One of the men from the Native American rally approached Nick Sandman and began to bang a drum just inches from his face. Nick Sandman, not knowing what to do, just stood there smiling, not responding anything. His classmates began to drown out the racist and homophobic slurs by the black Hebrew Israelites by chanting the school chants, as well as other things. The problem with that was that the video just caught Nick Sandman standing in front of of, uh, the Native American man while the drum was being banged inches from his face. And that clip got onto Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere. It spread like wildfire. That This young boy just standing there, claiming that he was smirking, being threatening, intimidating the man. It got to the point where people were sending death threats to his school and threatening to blow it up. That, whether you like it or not, is cancel culture. Going, People saw this student did a bad thing, and the only justifiable cause was to basically threatened to blow up his school. That's why a lot of people get a lot of bad rap for cancel culture. The company that made Ambium even criticized Roseanne Bohr for claiming that the drug impacted her mental capacity. Things weren't going too well on with her show either in response to it. Roseanne Bohr was fired from her show, and her character was killed off from a drug overdose. 
pretty much making it clear that she can't return. And a lot of people have theorized that the reason Roseanne Barr was killed via drug overdose was kind of a mocking to the real-life actors. You can feel that Roseanne being fired was 100% justified so long as you feel like her behavior... Hold on. Now, you can think people are justified in having Roseanne Barr fired for her behavior as long as you show no favoritism and hit everywhere you see racism. A good example of cancel culture being very selective in who it chooses to go after is Bill Maher. Around the same time Roseanne Barr had her, her controversy, a late-night talk show host, Bill Maher, had his own. Bill Maher was interviewing a senator from Nebraska at the time, and he invited him to come to Nebraska, saying, we'd love to have you out on the field. In response, Bill Maher faked, faked being hurt, saying, work in the field? No, sir. I'm a house bleep. The, the word he used was uncensored in the original broadcast. However, whenever the episode is, is broadcasted as a rerun, it is censored out. Bill Maher, just like Roseanne, apologized. He just claimed that he, he crossed the line on there. Bill Maher is a very interesting example. He is a comedian, yes, but he chooses to toe the line. And sometimes he goes just a little bit too far. He even acknowledges that at, in his apology about how he sometimes doesn't know how far to go because he is a comedian. There's also an example of Kevin Hart. Back in 2017, comedian Kevin Hart was actually fired from hosting the Oscars, uh, citing a stand-up routine several years beforehand where he joked about how he did not want his son to be gay. At the time, his stand-up routine was not out of line, but today a lot of people saw that as bad, felt uh, so it was kind of split, and people felt that it would be best that Kevin Hart not host the Oscars. However, that's just with people. What do we do with art that does have problematic themes, but is celebrated, even culture today? A lot of people debate on whether or not we should continue hosting a platform for art that's offensive, made at a different time, but some people still celebrate. A good example of this right now is Dr. Seuss. Earlier this year, Dr. Seuss's estate announced that they were going to stop publishing a handful of his books. Most notably, Miguel Gets Pool, If I Ran the Zoo, and, uh, and To Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street. These three books were the most popular of the six books that will no longer be publishing for a variety of reasons. The main reason these won't be published anymore was racism because they were in, in the 1940s. I feel like this is another example of just banning things just for the media attention and and to make itself look like you care about these issues because these books don't have any racist imagery, especially if you were to compare it to Dr. Seuss's book, book uh, Dr. Seuss Goes to War, which is a collection of his political cartoons that he read during the World War II area. Uh, encouraging America to go to war, predating Pearl Harbor. And yes, they do have some very racist imagery. Even for the time period, a lot of the stuff in it is pretty messed up, especially the depictions of Asians. However, one thing about uh, the books being banned that really strikes me is the fact that they claim that this state no longer wants to profit off of racism, but 
they still are profiting off of the racism in these books. Miguel Gets Pool actually plays a very significant role in the stage play Seussical, which tells the story of a lot of Dr. Seuss's most famous books and even has a really good song in it. Seussical is a pretty big play for kids to do, super popular for high schools and community theaters because it's just the definition of a fun play. So what is Dr. Seuss's stake in us no longer lease the royalties for that play? Are they going to to rewrite the play so that Miguel Gets Pool is no longer present? And to think I saw it on Mulberry Street is also an interesting example. Well, because, for one, it was Dr. Seuss's very first book he ever published. So, it's kind of a slap in the face to take away his first book. Like, that started his career. And Universal Studios is still using And to Think I Saw it on Mulberry Street as a big theme within in a section of the park dedicated to Dr. Seuss's work. So it's very hypocritical to say you do not want this imagery celebrated with uh, the original source material, but still profiting off of the same imagery secondhand. Disney is also a really good example of this because they have had a very long history of racism. Most notably, the film Song of the South, which has been accused of racism for quite some time now, to the point where Disney has not acknowledged the existence of the film in so long. There is no DVD release in America of Song of the South. Song of the South will never be on on Disney+. Plus. It is essentially lost to time. Well, at least the media. Song of the South did inspire a big, iconic piece of Disney's culture, Splash Mountain. Up until last year, Splash Mountain was heavily inspired by Song of the South, with the characters being prominently placed within the iconic amusement park ride. Even if Disney does not want to acknowledge this film, it is still profiting off the film indirectly with this art that it deems to be wrong. This is why I respect Warner Brothers' decision to present their racist cartoons as they were originally created, because in their words, words uh, it was because in their words, because in their words, saying, because in their words, hold on. This imagery was common in media. It was wrong then and it is wrong now. But to edit it out would be the same as saying it never existed to begin with. And yeah, I feel like that's appropriate way to handle it. I feel like Disney could made a good middle ground. On Disney Plus, what they could do is release it with a group of film scholars talking about the history behind it, explain why this film with a lot of racist imagery was an Oscar-winning film, and why it was so celebrated for its time, and we can understand why we shouldn't be doing that anymore. There's also the fact that people often get offended for no reason. For a brief period, Warner Brothers tried to stop airing Speedy Gonzales cartoons for fear of the Hispanic mouse being considered extremely racist. But he was brought back after outcry from the Hispanic community. They love Speedy Gonzales. He is a great character. They love him. Essentially, a mob of people were trying to ban a piece of art that 
the people they thought they were standing up for found offensive, when in reality, they did not understand these Ultimately, my default opinion on this is that I do not like banning art, even art I personally find offensive. Now, that doesn't mean I want every piece of art immediately available to every audience. Now, that doesn't mean that all pieces of art are appropriate for everyone. I truly think there are, are grounds, grounds for avoiding it. I, there's some art I personally will not consume because I find it offensive, but but if you personally find a piece of art I dislike for whatever reason, I feel like you still have the right to enjoy that piece of art. I am very passionate about art. I feel art does play a significant role in people's lives. The impact lockdowns had on people's psyche due to having no cultural outlets showed that art does play a role of escapism in our daily lives. I feel like art should make us feel things, should make us feel angry, afraid, confused, joyful, sad, mad, whatever. I feel like the average person is the best advocate for what type of art they feel is best for them, which is why I feel like cancel culture is taking away our agency on, on that decision to decide for ourselves if we agree with a piece of art or not. Which is why I personally feel like cancel culture is one of the most dangerous things in culture today. And with that, I'm Tim Shrimp, and I conclude this broadcast of All You Can Eat Shrimp. I hope you had your fill.